0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Before we get started with our interview today, I wanted to tell you that I have yet to see in one place a compilation of the many headwinds that those of us in higher education are facing today. So in the spirit of we can't fix the problem if we don't know all the solutions and all the issues, I thought I'd try to list the storms already here, the ones that are emerging, and some bold solutions that college athletics and higher education might pursue as we try to move on from this pandemic. So before the the coronavirus world, there were signals that all was not well in college athletics. Number one, and most importantly, the accelerated growth in coaching salary, support staffs and facility spending and building. There was a second one in that football programs at mid sized to smaller schools were starting to be dropped. Schools like Jacksonville University, St. Cloud State University, The University of Minnesota Crookston all just this fall. Attendance at big time college football and basketball games continues to decline over the last decade. There's also a declining number of high school graduates beginning this year and extending for the next ten years. Almost three million students are less are enrolled in college in 2019 than in 2011. There's also a decline in the full pay international students, and that has been trending downward for several years. There's continued continued pressure to reduce total cost to families, that is student debt, and that is becoming more and more of a factor in how students choose their colleges. The changing national demographics favoring institutions located in the South and the West and disproportionately impacting schools located in the northeast and the midwest parts of the country. And finally, the continued court battles involving the definition of amateurism, concussions, and other battles threatening to upend the current NCAA governance models. The storms that are here right now include, as of today, NCAA medical doctors are advising athletes not to work out in pairs, and not to touch a shared ball until the risk of transmission is over and we are out of this pandemic. We know that the NCAA's fiscal year 2020 revenue distributions for spring dropped by 62 percent. Campuses are in the process of deciding whether refunds or credits to students will be given for housing and dining that they didn't take advantage of in the spring because of being forced to evacuate campuses. The National Association of College Admissions Counselors withdrew from a battle with the Department of Justice in the fall of 2019 over their long-established, agreed-upon regulations over early decisions, as well as consistency, creating a standard across all colleges regarding deadlines, terminology, and procedures, causing further upheaval in the college admissions space. In effect, you no longer committed to a college when you make that paid deposit on May 1st or June 1st. Colleges can still recruit you beyond that space. We know that for the majority of colleges, cash on hand is low and we're keeping an eye on, but schools and athletic programs are closing or dropping, or in one case, staff is being furloughed. So just before the pandemic was upon us, I had the chance to visit with Dr. Linda Ubre. As I've looked at the challenges facing higher ed, I have found Dr. Ubre's laser focus on her school's mission to be representative of how small colleges can move ahead in this fast changing environment. Consider this, she is a former business school dean and the first person of color to lead Whittier College. She is the former CEO and once worked for the Walt Disney companies. In this re- in this era of revolution, listen to how she is positioning her instru- institution to survive the current storm. Here now is my interview with Dr. Linda Oubre president at Whittier College. So I'm joined today by Linda Oubre, who is the relatively new president at Whittier College. And Linda, this is your first presidency, is that right? Yes, it is. Okay, so tell me about your thoughts about being a first-time president.
1: Um, You know what, it's a lot of common sense, Um, especially I've moved from being a dean at a large public institution. Um, with 6,000 students just in the College of Business to a very small 1,700-plus um, um, campus. And so a lot of the job is very much the same, um, you know, and it's all about the students.
0: Tell us a little bit about Whittier. What kinds of students, how big of a population, size of the athletics program, that type of thing. So we are Division
1: Three athletics. We have about 1,750, 1,760 students. Okay. Um, I would say majority are undergraduate. We only have one. Uh, graduate programs are okay. mostly undergraduates we are best known as being uh, Richard Nixon's alma mater right right um, that's right. but we are very different um, than when Richard Nixon went to school then and was right. president right um, the college has changed a lot as the demographics of Southern California have changed. Uh, we're traditional uh, founded by Quakers but haven't been Quakers since nineteen forty. Um, but still really carry the Quaker philosophy in terms of um, light in everyone, social justice, every human being is important. Um, and, um, you know, we're in liberal arts, we are now the uh, Hispanic serving institution and Ana Pizzi schools, we're a minority serving institution with over 70% students of color and about 40% um, first in their families to go to college. Okay. And so we look like Southern California. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Tell us what an Anapese student is. Anapese is, is basically, um, it's Asian, a, um, Pacific Islander, Native American, and I probably said those initials in the wrong order. But. That's okay, but that helps our, our listeners understand <laughs> yes. what that means. Yes.
0: Of that percentage of undergraduates, about what percentage plays athletics? About 35%. 35%. So we're percent. just over a third. Um, our um, athletes so they're an important part of your overall population and your overall recruitment and retention strategy very much so yeah absolutely so. so how much involvement have you had with your athletic conference and ncaa governance since you became president and how much of a learning curve was it um, well, I took your class,
1: <laughs> and your class was very helpful. It um, was interesting because I tell people coming into the job, even though it's very much like being a business dean, the one thing I did not have um, was athletics. Everything else I had managed before, um, and so that was the new piece. Uh, on top of that, my athletic director quit before I showed up. I took a, took a Division II job, so wow. between the time I was announced and when I came, he left. Um, and I was a little nervous at first because I don't officially know, but haven't managed athletics. Right. Um, but I've been blessed. I did a search. I did a national search and landed on the senior associate athletic director who's been on campus for 30 years. Wow. And started as a student and a basketball player and then longtime basketball coach and kind of moved his way up. And it's been a godsend. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: A stabilization I would think. Stabilization.
1: Yeah. And what I realized in the search. Um, you know, um, is that his, his style um, very much meshed with mine, um, and his vision of putting students first meshed with mine, which was a little different from his predecessor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I learned that through through the process. so it's awesome. been really, it's been really great. That's yeah. awesome. So talk a about, little about your role in the, in the athletic conference you're in. Uh, I assume that the presidents function literally as a board of directors for the conference commissioner. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, you know, um, we've had, I, I've been there about 18 months. I think we've had two meetings so far, another one next week at the conference. Um, and we do function as a board of directors. The uh, chairmanship of that rotates. Um, and um, you know we have a, we have an excellent executive director of the conference who really manages the day to day, and within our conference the athletic director is also more involved in the right. in the day to day and kind of pull us in. As they need, so I haven't had that much interaction with them other than phone conferences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. um, and, and no big controversial issues. Okay, you know, um, in the conference. So. And tell
0: us the name of your conference. It is Skyak. Skyak, okay. And the range of, in terms of geography of schools in that conference goes from we're mostly within um, the LA okay. area. Okay. Okay. Um, so you don't have to go to Oregon
1: or uh, no? Okay. No, no. Okay. It's mostly, we do have. We do have a couple of sports like lacrosse, um, that because it's not a conference sport. There are a lot of schools in the conference. It's more okay. of an East Coast. Right. Um, and so we do travel more. Okay. That's with men's lacrosse
0: and women's lacrosse. Okay. And have you had any interactions so far with NCAA governance? You know, just in terms of the the voting <laughs> on things that have come up. But yeah. Not, you know, not, not that much. Not, not that much yet. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you have representatives for, right? Right, yeah. right? right. Do you think you'll ever go to an NCAA convention? Well, I'm going next week. Oh, you're Anaheim. going next week. Excellent. I'm going next week in Anaheim. <sighs> okay.
1: In Anaheim. And uh, as you know, it's very long. <laughs> so, <laughs> it takes so, takes a lot of days. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but at least it's local and I'll yes. go and I'll kind of get, you know, have a good eye and decide
0: what to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, Tell us about the role that athletics plays, really plays in enrollment and in campus life.
1: You know, um, Whittier is interesting because, um, you know, being a small traditional liberal arts college, um, being in Southern California, um, I have found, um, which was a nice surprise, that we have the typical Whittier student when you meet them, is you meet them, they say, oh yeah, I'm editor of the newspaper, oh, and I'm on the soccer team, oh, and I'm a senator in student government, oh, and I'm an RA in the dorm. Um, so it's, it's interesting, because it really is so much of the life, um, you know, just geographically or physically in our campus, um, the athletics are uphill. And us, the campus is downhill. Interesting. And so, when I came in, you know, one of the things when we did the search and we, we did some town halls, is people talked about they felt there's a little bit of of a, us and them. Yeah. Uphill, downhill. Yeah. yeah. And that was one reason why I just, I really wanted Rock Carter in there to take the lead because okay. him having been a student, he actually has his master's as well, and he has taught. Um, students um, and the faculty really respect him as do the students and the administration so with him there for the last year and a half he's really kind of broken that mole you know uphill downhill us versus them
0: um, and that's really helped i think that's a really interesting observation because i have been on more campuses where athletics the complex is sort of off away either it's upwards down it's off to one side because of the land it just takes up. The fields take up, the spaces, the right. buildings takes up. But it does create this divide. Yeah. So <clears throat> have you done any specific strategies on, has, has your athletic director done any specific strategies to try to bridge that divide? Yeah, and you know, um,
1: one of the things I'm, re- I'm really proud of him that he did, and he was interim in that you know, right. while we are doing the search. Um, but he basically, you know, we already had faculty athletic reps and things like that. Um, but he also started Inviting faculty to events, okay. you know, and to games, and doing receptions with faculty beforehand, you. you know, at least for a lot of the major sports, at least once during whatever that season was. Right, right. And there's several faculty who told me I've never been to a basketball hmm. game, um, and I think just just doing that. Um, one of the other things that, that um, I think is just great, and I think really matters, especially an institution like us, is Division Three athletics. know small institutions the biggest issue in higher ed right now is access to affordable education yeah yeah. Um, and let's face it um, athletics at division three helps us recruit men of color
0: yeah
1: Um, but we have equity issues in academics with men of color we need to do a better job of retaining them Um, and you know our athletic director with, I was having new VP, Dean of Students, who's a former athlete who played oh. football at Brown. Okay. Uh, and actually worked at Arizona and Berkeley. Um, started his career as athletic advisor um, at before Reed College. And uh, they basically partnered and started doing orientation sessions for oh. fall athletes and their families before school started in August. You know, particularly for football, because a lot of the football players were showing up it's 115 degrees or yeah. yeah, They're playing, you know, our team has not done well for the last 20 years. Um, and so and then they get discouraged and they leave. Um, and so I'm really proud that they're really thinking about student success for that population. Right, right, right. And how important athletics is in terms of student
0: success. That's a really a good point because there's a lot of outreach sometimes in bringing faculty, like you mentioned, to the games, which is wonderful, it's great. But we've really got to think about how to make that student comfortable on campus outside of their little cocoon, which is their athletic team. Exactly. And that's tough. That's tough to get students who aren't, may not be comfortable as a student yet. They're very comfortable in their athlete, athletic persona but they don't really understand, when can I approach the teacher? How much right. extra help can I ask for? Right. Who do I go to if I've got a question I can't reach the faculty member? Those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, you reminded me of something that,
1: you know, that our athletic director and I talked about and, and that we've implemented. So Whittier College is, probably has the only person in the world on our faculty who has two Rose Bowl rings for football and two Grammys. <laughs> wow. Multi-talented. <laughs> uh, Danny Lozano is a jazz musician, you know, PhD in music, and he played football for USC. Um, and he, Danny told me that as long as he's been on campus 20 plus years, the football team never asked him to come talk to the football players. And here he is, a man of color, has PhD right. and he's on faculty, right. um, and so that's another good thing that that we've done. Yeah, um, yeah. is brought in role models to right. talk to students. Um, my husband was a frustrated football player, and he's come and talked to the students. I already mentioned that our uh, VP Dean of Students played football. Right. We also just hired a VP enrollment Manager who also played football in college as a man of color. So just looking within our own community, yes, and, yes, and, and trying to bring in people to be role models and talk to the players yeah yeah you know um it's been very it, it's been fun
0: it's this early thing. but it'll be fun to follow up and see how well that's working with retention strategies it
1: already it already, already is okay yeah. already excellent is, already is
0: that's so. really great and to have to see men of color with phds is is huge right is absolutely yeah. huge Who played football? <laughs> who played football even right. better right exactly <laughs> Um, how about campus life? I mean, what role does does athletics play in just trying to create a spirit, uh, spirit as core and and rah rah campus spirit? You
1: know, it's different because I went I went to, I went to uh, UCLA, so it was very different yeah. from my experience. <laughs> but then I did Ivy League for the two creatures, which was almost the opposite. Right. Um, I think because there's so many athletes. And so many people, um, or so many of the students know each other from so many different worlds. They really support each other. Yeah. Um, but it's very different. Um, it's, you know, it, it's not so much the, hey, wear your pom-poms, cheer. It's, I'm going to show up and be there for my friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit with you know, my friends and and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that part is is really good good. to see. Um, I actually have a niece who's a freshman. Oh, no kidding. She's an athlete on my husband's side of the family. And she's a track athlete. Uh, from a small town in northern California and it's so funny because her parents came down for homecoming weekend and she's on the dance team and the mom was like oh, don't they know she can fly how come she can't do cheerleading in? and and that type of stuff Was just not that big of a deal at
0: Whittier in terms Interesting. Of ego. yeah okay
1: people just want to have fun yeah and celebrate and support their
0: friends that's so. that's that's cool that's yeah. a nice environment and I assume your campus is predominantly residential
1: you know, historically is, but okay. now we're about 50% commuter.
0: Okay, about okay. 50-50. Yeah. All right. So a lot that of
1: th- our commuters live in the general area or live okay. at
0: home. Okay, yeah. okay. Got that. Um, <clears throat> tell us about your your role of your trustees and the role of trustees in making any athletics decisions, uh, whether it be hiring a coach or a high-profile coach or adding or dropping sports, or what's your sense of their role in all of this? You know, um...
1: They were involved in hiring an athletic director from the point of view that I had. I had a former athlete trustee member who served on the committee. Okay. Um, but they really don't get involved in the day-to-day. I think historically where they had gotten involved is there was a lot of fundraising for athletics. Okay. Uh, I mean, our facilities are beautiful. In fact, I joked when I had my presidential visit. I called my husband and said, they're nicer than UCLA's and Harvard's <laughs> facilities. I've never seen <laughs> Purple tennis courts, wow, and purple football, wow. and wow. purple athletic equipment, custom made. So, um, so the the board of trustees was very involved in those sorts of things. Um, they could be more involved in the future. I think if we ever did talk about dropping um, sports, we would, of course, include them, right, right, you know, in that decision. But they tend to let me manage
0: day-to-day. So you, you're not like a typical board that might have one or two real booster fans on the trustees who really want to emphasize athletics or sort of a, a whole sense of we got to think what's best for the institution, not what's best for one particular program. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but I think also being, being Division III mm, okay. and
1: historically just not being a powerhouse. Okay. Not, you know, Although we just won, did you hear the water polo? The water polo. I did see that. Um, yeah. So it's our first team championship, national championship ever. Um, but, you know, football has never, you know, not since, I guess, the early days when Andy Reid coached. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It um, hasn't yeah. been a big powerhouse. And basketball's up and down. It tends to be stronger than that. But, um, no, I mean they're, they're supportive. But yeah. No, not like a, what I hear from a lot of yeah. institutions. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um, last question, and this is more of kind of the landscape of, of college athletics today. I mean, we just heard about a unfortunate <coughs> accusation of a hazing situation involving football at Penn State again this week. Oh, I not, <coughs> and uh, we hear a lot about concussions. We hear a lot about athlete health and wellness safety. You know, has, number one, have you seen any of that yet in your role as president? Number two, do you have any thoughts about how you might address that with your, your student-athletes and your coaches?
1: You know, I actually, walking in, walking in there was um, an incident previously to, to my coming um, that I can't talk about a lot of details, but um, basically resulted in um, a large number of men of color dropping. Leaving the school Mm, because they didn't think that the school handled it correctly. Okay, Um, and so um, you know, I came in and with you know, athletic director said we got to handle this because this is unacceptable. Um, You know, also we have to look at concussion protocol. We have to look at everything that we're doing. Um, I think that that's one good thing about having someone who's been there with the tenure, who understands, and who's trusted very much by the students and the and the athletic um, staff, and frankly, by the administration and the board. Right. Um, it's also real easy for me, because I just say, it's not about athletics, it's about student success. And everything is about the students and getting them to graduate. Yeah. Um, when I went around, you know, my first year, I, traveled 35,000 miles, and the biggest complaint I would hear um, from alumni athletes is, football team's terrible, football Mm. team's terrible, hasn't won, hadn't won a football game in like 20 years or something like that, and I said, you know, we're going to stop saying the football team's terrible, because here's these young men who are passionate about this sport, who aren't getting scholarships, who are coming to campus in that 115 degree heat, you know, let's start talking about how great it is that they're doing this, that they're passionate about, and how can we support them in terms of graduating? Yeah. Um, Because I think that, you know, of course people are going to drop out if the team's losing and they don't feel like they're welcomed or, you know, and I think that's one big reason why the retention just in a year, you know, we only had four football players, even on academic probation this past year. Same as lacrosse. Yeah,
0: good, good.
1: (laughs) You know, and uh, we had a few people decide not to play, but we didn't have anyone leave because of that, and versus the prior year is 30 players That's left. It's a big change. Big change, yeah. and, and especially for a small college. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so um, so I don't talk about winning. I, of course, will celebrate our water polo team, but I don't talk about winning. I talk about, you know, how are you doing in school? What do you need?
0: Yeah, winning yeah. at life. Winning at life, yeah. yeah, abso- yeah. Absolutely. I think the wins will come. I, I I think if you create a good culture, mm-hmm. many times that leads to success. Yeah. And But it all depends on how you define success. If right. you're graduating great kids and they're having a great experience, <clears throat> in many ways that's success, right? Right. right? It doesn't have to be just wins and losses. Right. Any thoughts on the <clears throat> increasingly urgent... Yeah call to pay attention to the demographic shift that's about to happen in higher ed with the fewer number of high school graduates and the worry that all schools are starting to feel that there's not going to be enough people out there to recruit any thoughts about that.
1: Thank you for asking me that, yes. so before I got on the plane yesterday, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the news, but we announced on Tuesday that Whittier College is not raising tuition for this year. I did see that. And yeah. it is totally about access to affordable education, Yep, we're very concerned, the first thing I did coming going to Whittier was I made my board and my cabinet read Breakpoint, <laughs> that talks about these issues from yep. McGee's book, um, and it was very, very important. Uh, Whittier's been been lucky in some ways because you know if you read if you read that and you also read Nathan Gros's book, yes, um, you know of course most of the drops are going to be in the Northeast, the North, and the Midwest, right? Um, and you and, know, and the,
0: most of the growth seems to be in the, south and the, the south and the Southwest, right? right? Um, yeah.
1: Um, whittier before i came in had had a couple years of very strong growth um unexpected growth and um, so we've been lucky from that point of view but what we're seeing is the schools in the midwest and in east are coming to the los angeles area to recruit the students we get naturally interesting um and so we've kind of refocused um i think whittier you know rightfully so was trying to be a national liberal arts school, um, I've come in and said that's great, but we're the only Hispanic-serving liberal arts institution in the country. We have the most diverse population of any liberal arts school in the country, and our best academic success rates are with women in color, particularly Latinas, particularly in STEM fields, and, you know, being an institution in California. And we know that over 80, usually about 80% of students stay within 500 miles. That industry in California wants a pipeline of future employees who look like their customers. Right. And so, right. so we've been embracing that, yeah. and we think it's very important because, like everyone else, you know, we're challenged with tuition discounts, yeah. um, and now there's more competition. Also, I came in. Um, when I came in, I'd say, who's our competition? And we would get, oh, Claremont, Pomona, Occidental. So, no, I asked for the data. Hmm. It's the California State University. And it's top of the UCs, yeah. University of California campuses, which tells me it's a value decision. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and the state is putting a lot of money into those institutions right now. Right, and right. So, so we're working hard. We know affordability is an issue big issue for our students and so that's why we made that announcement to freeze tuition
0: yeah absolutely in fact the uh, College Access and Affordability Institute just came out with their annual survey on student debt <clears throat> public or private it's over $30,000 so it's a big deal it's a big number for many students to absorb once they graduate families to absorb yeah. so it's a really important strategy
1: you No, know, one thing that's interesting is so my office is right next to the business office and so I can hear the line of students lining up, um, you know, around November fifteenth because their bill is due, and they can't register for class or, or you know, being a small campus, students talk to me. And you know, earlier when I was talking about students who do like five different things, you know, I had one student come to me. She she's working full time, plus she has two part time jobs on campus, plus she's president of one of the clubs, plus she's running a. Um, a big festival, music festival in the spring. Wow. And she wanted to come talk to me about, because she wants to stay on the track team. Wow. And you know, one of my students says this in my office, I was talking to him day before yesterday, and he's a football player. And he's graduating, and he said, you know, he goes, well, I knew I was coming in with, I would get debt. And I didn't want my family to pay for it He's yeah. a local kid. Yeah. He goes, I'm graduating $50,000 in debt. Wow. He said, but I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. And I said, okay, how did you know? And he talked about he was in a program in high school. So I think part of it also, we have to educate yeah. these populations. Yeah. That's what we find. And help them understand um, you know, and help them plan. Yeah, um, yeah, But also, you know, that's why we coupled our announcement with trying to raise a lot of money for scholarships. Right, right Because right. that's only how we're going to make it affordable.
0: That, that's absolutely the case for so many small privates. Well, Linda, thank you so, thank you much, so much for taking the time thank with you. me thank and you. explaining your, your great new position. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another week of thinking about college athletics from the 30,000 foot perspective. In case this is the first time you are joining us, the podcast drops every Thursday morning. You can listen to previous guests and topics on eight different podcasting platforms including iTunes and Spotify. Each week I will strive to give you a deeper understanding of the complexities of higher education and intercollegiate athletics in the 21st century. Please also join me on Forbes.com for additional content and extended analysis. Have a great week.